Hello and welcome to Research Roundup brought to you by the Primary Care Collaborative Cancer Clinical Trials Group, PC4. I'm Christy Milley and each month we'll be looking at what's new in cancer in primary care research and I'll be talking to authors of recent publications and presentations. Today we're speaking with Professor Ross Lawrenson and Dr Tanya Blackmore from the University of Waikato in New Zealand. Ross is an academic GP and Professor of Population Health and Medical Research. Tanya is a Senior Research Fellow and she has a background in psychology. Together they have published a study in BMC Family Medicine and it was titled How Do Colorectal Cancer Patients Rate Their GP? A Mixed Method Study. Welcome Tanya and Ross. Thank Thank you very much. I I must say I really like the title with the how do they rate their GP. I think that's really a bit of an attention grabber. Ross, would you be able to give us a little bit of background about the landscape of colorectal cancer and colorectal cancer research in New Zealand? Sure, I'd be very happy to do that. Um, Colorectal cancer is one of the most commonly diagnosed cancers in New Zealand. Uh, We've got over 3,000 cases a year. And after lung cancer, it's the commonest cause of cancer death in New Zealand with over 1,200 deaths a year. One of the things that we're obviously interested in in New Zealand is also comparison of our rates with our Māori population. And so Māori make up 16% of the population in New Zealand. And colorectal cancer is one of the cancers where Māori are actually less likely to be diagnosed with cancer. Although once they are diagnosed, then their outcomes are not as good as might be expected. Indeed, from the International Cancer Benchmarking Project, cancer survival for colorectal cancer in New Zealand has been poor, especially compared with Australia. And our rate of improvement in our outcomes from colorectal cancer have moved less slowly than our other benchmarking countries. So that's been a particular concern for us. Back in uh, 2015, we undertook a major study of colorectal cancer called the Piper study. And one of the findings from that study was that patients with colorectal cancer in New Zealand were more likely to be diagnosed through the emergency department um, and tended to be diagnosed at a later stage. So something like 31% of colorectal cancer cases Uh, in New Zealand were diagnosed through ED. And for Māori, in fact, the number was 44%. So one of those reasons we think that late diagnosis is a particular problem in New Zealand has been that we've been a late adopter of bowel cancer screening. And indeed, in our region, we only just started with bowel screening this year. So there are a number of issues around colorectal cancer that make it a priority cancer for us to research in New Zealand. And in your paper, you also touch on the organisation of general practice care and some of the existing or ongoing barriers in providing care. Would you be able to elaborate on these a little bit as well? New Zealand has been a sort of changing landscape for for general practice over the last decade. Earlier this century, we moved to a capitation system for general practice. So general practitioners are independent contractors but they receive a subsidy based on per capita population of enrolled patients. And so there's really been a change in the, the way that we have provided general practice. A lot of practices have moved to multidisciplinary teams providing a, you know, a range of services. But that's been at the loss of continuity of care in some practices. And so that 
you don't always see the same doctor every time you go to the practice. would also note that there have been barriers for GPs referring patients into specialty care. And again, another benchmarking project that we did with GPs in New Zealand showed that access to diagnostics such as colonoscopy were relatively harder for New Zealand GPs compared with, again, benchmark countries. So general practice is in a state of flux at the moment. And I would note, you know, the numbers of GPs per population actually has been shrinking over the last 15 or 20 years. And it is certainly a lot less than in other comparable jurisdictions. And Ross, how important is the patient-GP relationship in cancer diagnosis and care? The more qualitative research that we've done, uh, particularly in other cancers, such as uh, in lung cancer, patients have stressed to us how important their relationship with is with their GP. So continuity of care does seem to be a really important issue for patients. We've done work with patients with multimorbidity. And again, you know, that's really important for them that they have that uh, relationship with a doctor that knows and understands you know, the range of conditions that they have. I would say that we have done work also with Māori and for Māori that being able to see a doctor that you know and trust is a really important part of their access to primary care. And so building that relationship is something that is very much appreciated by patients and it's something that doctors are encouraged to spend more time doing. And Tanya, over to you. I wanted to ask you about the study design and what questions were patients asked to answer about that relationship with their GP? Okay, so this was a mixed method study design where we used a quantitative questionnaire to ask patients about the type of bowel symptoms that they were or had been experiencing, the approximate time that they first noticed symptom onset, the time when they first consulted a healthcare professional, which was usually their GP, and their approximate date of diagnosis. And one section of this questionnaire was specifically related to health service utilisation, so general practice. And we asked patients to rate their GP's level of communication skills, whether the GP involved them in decisions about their care, and their general feelings of confidence and trust in their GP. We also asked about whether patients could get an appointment within 24 hours and whether they had any financial or access such as transport issues that might prevent them from seeking a GP consultation. And then the qualitative aspect of the study involved the collection of additional narratives that we noticed as we were administering the questionnaire. Patients would frequently offer comments that were additional to the structured questions that they were being asked. So we recorded these sort of free text comments and and narratives verbatim and then later analysed them. And so in your results, Tanya, you identified three key themes. So what were these and were there any facets within them that were viewed particularly negatively by patients or particularly positively by the participants in surveys? So a lot of the comments that we we got, unfortunately, were a little more on the negative side. But the first theme that we identified was the interpersonal skills of a GP. So 
we had a lot of comments from patients about whether their GP's communication skills were good or not, whether they felt that their GP had listened to them, whether they felt that their GP was being empathetic and whether they felt that their GP was taking their symptoms seriously. So in that respect, there were some negative comments that came under that theme. However, saying that, there were always patients who, despite a GP who might be lacking in, in interpersonal skills, still was happy and rated that GP highly if their technical skills, which was the next thing we identified, were really good. So uh, the second thing was about the technical competence of a GP. So patients often rated this as the speed to which they were referred to specialist services or secondary care, the accuracy at which the GP reached a diagnosis and whether it was a correct diagnosis, so the number of times that a patient was misdiagnosed. So again, these were sort of negative facets that came through. But again, there were some patients who still viewed a lack of technical competence they still took a positive out of it and that if a GP was actively engaged in investigating symptoms, even if there was a diagnosis delay for that patient, that patient was still perfectly happy because of the fact that the GP was actively engaged in, in investigating symptoms with the patient. And then the third theme was around health system issues within general care itself, which is uh, sort of not really in under the control of, of many GPs. It was It was things like appointment length, so short appointment times where patients felt quite negative about those and that they felt that a short appointment time made them feel rushed and made them feel like they hadn't been listened to properly. Continuity of care where a lot of patients want to see the same GP and they don't want to, especially with bowel symptoms, disclose them to a new GP every time they go to the doctor. And Sometimes the practices were so busy that it was difficult for patients to even get an appointment and some patients had to wait a considerable amount of time, say 10 days to two weeks to even get into their GP practice. But again, there was always a few patients who viewed seeing a different GP in a positive light. So there were a few patients who didn't mind seeing different GPs every time they went to the doctor. And in fact, we had a few cases where seeing of a different GP or a locum actually facilitated a speedier diagnosis because that doctor had looked at that patient's symptoms sort of with a, a fresh eyes, if you like, and it actually helped the patient to get diagnosed faster. With all of that in mind, our last question is always about the take-home message. So Ross and Tanya, what do you want our listeners to learn from your study and I'm also interested in what research might be next to help address some of those negative factors that you saw, particularly around the negative diagnostic experience that was more common in younger Māori or female patients. Yes, yeah, so we think that obviously communication is key, that there is a real advantage of continuity of care for patients. That's not always possible, but it is something that I think practices need to look at even though, as we've said earlier, that there's been some restructuring of the way practices are, have been operating. We have had an increasing incidence of colorectal cancer in younger patients, and a lot of our guidelines make getting diagnostic access for those patients really quite difficult. So we've been very much pushing the research needs of younger patients coming into the system. 
for Māori, again, ongoing research in that area around the barriers for Māori. We have done work with other cancers and I think there's opportunities for doing more work around uh, the barriers for Māori patients uh, with colorectal cancer. That's particularly been um, with our bowel screening program and making sure that we have equity of access for bowel screening with Māori patients. So I think the work that we've done here helps really inform our bowel screening program as well. Tanya, anything else you want to add to that? Uh, no, I, I would just add that from because I was the one who was personally talking to most of these patients, the, the importance of the GP-patient relationship really came through because a poor GP-patient relationship was a definite barrier to diagnosis, whereas a good one was a facilitator to a, a diagnosis. So I think that's really important and patients really value the relationship with their GP. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank, Thank you, you for your interest. We really enjoyed it. Thanks for downloading Research Roundup produced by PC4. You can access the articles and other information in our show notes. Please let us know what you think about this episode by emailing us at info at pc4tg.com.au or keep in touch via Twitter where you'll find us at pc4tg and there's also our website which is pc4tg.com.au.